have your Bibles, take them quickly, remain standing, turn with me to Mark chapter number four. Mark chapter number four. Uh, this is going to be a, a deadly serious message today. Every time we go to the Word of God, it is, it is important, it's critical, it's serious, but it's really, really serious today. And so I'm going to need your prayers. I need you to pray that the Holy Spirit will have his way in this service. And the crowd this size, I'm, I'm very well aware that there's a lot of people that doesn't know Christ. And there's some that don't know him, but thinks they know him. And, uh, and, and listen, that's a very dangerous place to be. And so uh, if there's anything that we need to know in life, we need to know that we know that we know the Lord. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Uh, the Bible says to make your calling and election what? Sure, sure. Mark chapter number four. In verse number one, we're going to read just down to probably verse number 12, uh, and, and, and then we'll preach through, through verse 20. It says in verse number one, and he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by what? Parables, parables. Uh, and he said unto them in his doctrine, hearken, behold, there were, went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. When the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. Some fell among thorns. The thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground. And did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, some a hundredfold. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were with him, the 12 asked of him the parable. And this is where we're going to get the bulk of the message from verse 11 and 12. And he said unto them, unto you, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without all these things are done in parables that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. In the way we would, the way we would say that, in our, our terminology, he is saying, I'm speaking in parables so those out there cannot be saved. Cannot be saved. I'm speaking this way so they're not going to understand so they cannot be forgiven. Now that's pretty stout. That's not something that we would associate with a savior, with Jesus, with God. That's not, that's not preached much that God would do something on purpose so they could not be saved. Let me continue reading. I said, we stop. Let's, let's just, we're on a roll. And he said unto them, 
Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. When they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. Which these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. Who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness. And have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time. And afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth. For the, wor the word's sake immediately they are offended. In other words, they, they, they make a quick profession with, with excitement and with a great emotion, but when the going gets tough, they lose it. They walk away from it. Not necessarily they lose it, they really never had it. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. And they bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Let's pray. Father, I'm, I'm aware of how desperately I need your Holy Spirit in this moment. Lord, you know exactly who's in this building right now. You know who walked through that door, every single door on this property. You know who came through them. And you know who needs to hear what is going to be taught today. And I pray right now, I pray right now, even before I begin to speak, I pray that you will just start working on their spirit, start working on their heart and prepare their heart to be good soil for the seed of your word. And Lord, I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control every word that I say. Don't let me say anything I'm not supposed to. Don't let me forget anything I need to. And God will give you the glory and the praise and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. If you picked up one of the notes, if you picked up one of the notes, I want you to take your pen and right above the title where it says truth about rejection, I want you to write this phrase. I want you to write this phrase. I almost titled it this, but I wanted to, to, to stick with the subject. I want you to write this above the title. Everybody's got an outline. If you're taking those, write this. When God shuts the door. When God shuts the door. Now, let me give you a little preview of chapter 3 and leading up to where we're at here in chapter 4. Most of you, you've been in here, you, 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 you've been here as we've been going through the book of Mark and you've witnessed miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. You've witnessed the messages Jesus preached and taught. Uh, listen, he had power over demonic forces. He has power over diseases. There is nothing he can't do. There's nothing that has any power over him. He, he defeated Satan in the wilderness. Uh, he overcome the tempter, say amen. He had the authority given to him by God at the, at the baptism of the Lord. He was affirmed to be the son of God by the father in heaven. 
the, the messenger, the forerunner that went before him proclaimed, this is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He revealed to everyone who he was and who he is. He is their Messiah. He went to Nazareth. If you remember, he went to Nazareth and, and he read the verses referencing the Messiah out of the book of Isaiah. And he said, today is this performed in your eyes. In other words, this says there's a Messiah coming. Here I am. And what they do, they tried to throw him off a cliff. And he goes to Galilee and he begins his ministry of miracle after miracle. Tens of thousands of people. The Bible clearly says that if the books of this world cannot contain all that he... Now, we only know what's written. But the Bible says there were so many more things that Jesus did. So many more miracles. So many more lessons and sermons that he preached. And here we find in chapter number 3... Some were calling him crazy. They said he's lost his mind. He's lost his mind. This is just, this is just Joseph's son. He's got brothers and sisters here. Some, some claimed because of uh, who he was and what he claimed, they said, yeah, he does miracles, but he does it by Beelzebub. He is demonic. He's doing it by the power of the devil. Are y'all with me? And so what took place right here was right after that. If you'll remember, Jesus said, you're very close. You're very close to committing a sin that can never be forgiven. You say, preacher, what did they do? What did they do? The Pharisees could not deny the miracles. I mean, you could not deny a lame man getting up and walking. You could not deny a blind man seeing. You could not deny a deaf man hearing. You could not deny all of these things that Jesus was doing. But instead of receiving it and believing it, they refused to accept it. He's of the devil. They made up their minds in unbelief. And in the very next chapter, the very next step Jesus took. Now, by the way, up until this point, up until this point, everybody listen, because this is, this is important. This is vital. Up until this point in Jesus' ministry, this is the very first time he began to speak in parables. Are y'all with me? He spoke plainly. He talked plainly up until this point. And now when it came to the crowd, he began to speak in parables. Now, some people have the misconception. Some people have the misconception that parable, oh yeah, God come up with this parable idea to make it easier to understand. That's false. That's not why, that's not why Jesus began to speak in parables. Look what it says. Look what it says. Let's review. Verse number 11 he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom. This is the small remnant. This is just a few that stuck with Jesus and his, his band of disciples. It is for you to know the mystery of the kingdom, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. This is why. He said, this is why I'm doing this. That seeing they may see and not perceive and not see it, not understand it not be able to re understand what's being said. And hearing they may hear and what? 
Now, I don't want them to perceive it. I don't want them to understand it because if they could perceive it and understand it, they might be converted and then be forgiven. In other words, God said, this is it. He began to speak in parables and God shut the door. The door of opportunity. The door of salvation. The door, listen, of deliverance. The the door of regeneration. God shut the door. Now, I couldn't help. I couldn't help. Because you, you, you hear people speak all the time. I, I have mentioned this before, that everybody's got an allotted time. God's going to deal with you for a certain amount of time, and you keep rejecting him, you keep denying him, you keep saying no to him. He's going to draw the line and shut the door. And I've had a lot of people argue with me about that point. Well, we just don't, I, we just don't understand. We believe that you have every opportunity until you take your last breath. Honey, that is, that is so presumptuous. you thinking you come to God on your terms. You don't come to God on your terms. You come to God on his terms. You don't come to God when you want to. You come to God when he wants you to. When he is drawing you and he is inviting you and the Holy Spirit is wooing you. And there will come a deadline. Say, preacher, where do you have any proof of that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you'll look in the top of your notes, I'll just paraphrase this so we can save time. But if we go back to Genesis chapter number 6. The Bible says that God told Noah, he said, I'm going to destroy the earth. Judgment is going to come. Judgment is going to come. He said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. The word strive means to plead a case, to plead a case. That means God is pleading with them to repent, to turn from their wicked ways. But every heart and imagination is wicked, utterly violence had filled the earth. And God said, I'm going to bring judgment upon this earth. And for about a hundred years, Noah was building that ark. But the Bible says in the New Testament that not only was he building the ark, he was preaching. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Noah was preaching every nail he drove. He was preaching judgment is coming. Every log he drug, he was preaching judgment is coming. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your evil. God is bringing judgment. And guess what? The day came. The day came where God says, all right, it's time. Come into the ark. Come into the ark. And as you know, to make a long story short, Noah and his wife and his sons and their, their, their wives, they entered the ark, the animals entered the ark, and this is what the scriptures say. God shut the door. Noah didn't shut that door. God shut them in. Now watch this. Now watch this. If God shut them in, then he also. Seven days go by. No rain. No thunder. Sunny skies. Can you imagine the mockery? Noah's lost his mind. Noah is a nut. Look at what he, look at this this monstrosity that he has built and he's pulled his whole family in there. He has lost his mind till after the seventh day. 
Maybe there's a little lightning. Maybe there's a little thunder. Rain began. It never rained before, guys. Rain began to fall. God broke up the, 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 listen, the fountains of the deep and water began to come out of the ground and the floods began to rise and the water began to rise and they began to scream and they began to holler and they came and ran to the ark and clawed on the ark and pulled on the ark saying, open the door, open the door, let us in. We believe now. But there was only one problem. God had shut the door. And let me tell you what's taking place in chapter number four, in verse number 11 and verse number 12. For the first time in Jesus' ministry, he began to speak in parables because those who had chosen to disbelieve, those that had chosen to refuse the Messiah and reject Christ, officially God shut the door. And he said, now I'm going to speak in a way so they can understand. I'm going to speak in a way that they can't perceive. I'm going to speak in a way so they cannot repent and be forgiven. The old timers would say it this way. They had sinned away their day of grace. They had said no too many times. They had rejected Christ too many times. They had gone past God's deadline. Preacher, what are you trying to say? This is what I'm trying to say. Two things. First of all, first of all, I want you to see the what. <clears throat> what are we looking at right here? Two things we are revealed by this set of verses. First, we're going to see the reality that a minority is saved. A minority is saved. I was, I was in church fixing to walk out of church in uh, Barnwell, South Carolina, where I was pastoring, I seen some elderly ladies over in the corner arguing, and another lady was arguing with the other two, and as I was walking out, uh, uh, preacher, preacher, come over here, come over here. I said, okay, I walked over there, and uh, the, the one lady uh, that was the younger of the three, she said, will you tell them, will you tell them that the Bible says that there's going to be more people in heaven than in hell, even if God has to turn the rocks and the trees into children? I said, to what? <laughs> she says, yeah, my grandmother told me that there's going to be more people in, in heaven than in hell, even if God has to turn the rocks and trees into children. Now, I'm not going to go into all the mix up here, but she's mixing verses together, but she was completely wrong. And she believed that because her grandmother told her that. And her grandmother told her that because she didn't want to believe that there would be more people in hell than there would be in heaven. But according to scripture, the people that are getting saved are going to be in the minority. You see, there were just a few handful there with Jesus and there was a huge crowd on the outside. And he said, I'm telling you so you can know and believe. I'm speaking in parables so they cannot. There's a minority saved. The Bible said, now that none of this is popular and you're not going to hear this on TV. But Mark 4.10 says, when he was alone, they that were about him, this is a small number. And with the 12 Matthew 20, 16 says, so the last shall be first and the first last for many be called, but 
Matthew 7, 13, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is a gate and broad is a way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go thereat. Because straight is a gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying Oprah don't know what she's talking about. Oprah said there's many ways to God. You just pick which one fits you. I've heard people say this, well, my God wouldn't do that, or my God loves everybody. My God, well, that's, that's your problem. That's your God. Your God just happens to not be the God of the Bible. Getting to heaven is not an easy way. Getting to heaven is not a wide path. Getting to heaven is a straight and narrow path. You say, how narrow? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You're not going to get into heaven with Confucius. You're not going to get into heaven with Buddha. You're not going to get into heaven with Muhammad. You're not going to get into heaven with any other new age movement or new age cult. You're not going to get to heaven by your good works and your good deeds. You're not going to get to heaven by your good generosity. The only way you're going to get to heaven is to find forgiveness and mercy at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a minority saved. There's tons of people in churches everywhere. There's tons of people. Listen, they're walking around with their, what would Jesus do bracelets? And they're living like the devil. They're not, trust, listen, they're not following the word of God, but they're playing church and they're walking and going through the motions and they're putting up a big front. But honey, few there be that are chosen. There's a minority saved. There's a minority saved. That's why I said be sure. Be sure, make your calling and election sure. Here's the truth of the matter. By the way, <clears throat> think about this. Think about it. Just, just simmer on this a minute. Just, just simmer on this a minute. Tens of thousands of thousands of people that Jesus healed and delivered and gave them a perfectly whole body that was broken. He, he healed them all. Every one of them that came to him, he healed them. Now, preacher, what's, your, what's the point of you're making? Tens of thousands of thousands of thousands. And you know what? You know how many believers there were, according to Scripture, at the, at the, at the, at the, at the time of his, his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension? 120 in Jerusalem and 500 in Galilee. Preacher, what are you saying? There's going to be a minority saved. And we'll see why in just a minute. In the second point. But before we get to the second point, write this down. What do we see in these verses? I'm already saved. We see a past deadline. A past deadline. God gave them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And when they refused, and they refused to accept, they could not deny the miracles, but they refused to accept them. And because of their blatant unbelief, God shut the door. In Mark 4, 12, he says, I'm speaking in parables, lest any at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. When I was a kid, when I was a kid reading that, that totally confused me. 
That totally confused me because I didn't understand the context and I didn't understand, I really didn't study chapter three like I should have and understand why Jesus was saved what he would say. I'm like, man, why in the world would Jesus speak in a way that they couldn't get saved? That doesn't make sense. But you see, he had been doing it over and over and over and gave evidence after evidence after evidence, proof after proof after proof. And they denied him. And God said, that's it. That's it. What does the Bible say in Luke 13, 23? Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, strive to enter at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in. Read it with me. And Proverbs 128. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they have hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despise all of my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Genesis 6-3, we read it already, but the Bible says the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. For that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. The word strive means to plead with, to make a case. Some of you over and over and over, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, you have come and you've heard the word of God. You have felt the the wooing of the Holy Spirit. Your spirit and your heart has been pricked and your conscience has been pricked by God. And he's saying, you need to repent. You need to give your life to Christ. And over and over and over, you've stood up and walked out the door and said, no, 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 no. Well, I'm telling you what, there's coming a day that God's going to leave you alone. God is going to shut the door of opportunity and you won't have to worry about that uncomfortable feeling anymore. But let me tell you this. You better hope that day doesn't come. Because once the door is shut, there's no going back. Now, why, how did we get to verse 11 and 12? Now, keep in mind, stay with me, guys, stay with me. Keep in mind, this is coming right off of chapter 3. This is coming right off of everybody accusing him of being crazy, trying to take him into custody. Right off the, the, the chapter of the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious order and the religious hierarchy, the religious leader saying he is demon possessed. He's doing it by the power of the devil. Now Jesus gives the parable of the seeds. What Jesus does here is he, he lists four things. Now some have called it the parable of the sower, but it's really not the parable of the sower. It's the parable of the soils. In all four, the sower is the same. In all four, the seed is the same. But in all four, there's different outcomes because there's different soils that's being used in the planting. Are y'all with me? Say amen. 
So here's what, here's what is happening. Here's what's happening. I know this is an uncomfortable message. I don't even want to preach it. I want to preach about grace and mercy and heaven, streets of gold and walls of jasper and all that kind of stuff. But we're in chapter four. So here we go. He just gets through saying, I'm going to speak in a way so they can't get saved. You know that's got to puzzle his disciples. Chapter 3 says they thought he was crazy. Chapter 3 said that they thought he was demonic. Chapter 3, their conclusion was he's lost his mind and he's working for the devil. After all the evidence, after all the witness, after all the power, after all of the miracles, their conclusion is he's crazy and he's working for the devil. So Jesus immediately, this is when he begins his parables. And we, we see why he says it, because he's shutting the door on the unbelievers. But now he's going to explain to his disciples how they got to that conclusion. How a God rejecter, how a lost person, how an unbeliever gets to the point where his conclusion is unbelief. And he begins to describe them. Let's look. Let's look. Let's look at the different souls. And by the way, the first three are lost. There's only one saved in this one. And that's the fourth one. And the Bible says in verse number 15, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, where the word is sown. The wayside was hard ground. This was the pathway. If you, if you, go, to, if you go to the east, you'll find that there were fields everywhere and crops everywhere, but they had paths that crisscrossed them so they could get from one place to the other, and it was well-worn, and it was walked upon all the time, and it was packed down, and it was, it was hard as a rock. Are y'all with me? And when the sower sowed the seed, it would just lay on the top, and when the seed laid on the top, here come the birds, and it could not get into the soil because it was too hard. Look what it says. These are they where the word is sown. But when they have heard Satan, that bird, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. You say, preacher, who would that represent? That represent them Pharisees. It didn't matter what Jesus did. They were not going to believe. It didn't matter what Jesus said. Hey, listen, he heals a blind man. He, he, he casts a demon out right in front of him. He forgives the man who was lowered down from the roof. He does all of this evidence and gives them all this proof. And they said, nope, nope. Their heart was hard. And because of the hardness of their heart, Satan stole the truth out of their minds. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying there's some of you in here. Your heart's so hard, your, your heart's so hard. Maybe because of your past, maybe because of your life experience, maybe because of the difficult things that's coming, maybe because you were mistreated, maybe because of church hurt, maybe because of whatever it is. And your heart's so hard. Your, your heart is so hard and difficult. It doesn't matter what I say. You're going to just get up and walk away. 
There's those. There's those out in this world. Usually the, the people in this case, they're not even in here. They, they don't even want to hear what you have to say. You witness to them on the street. I ain't got time for that. Uh, religion is just for the weak-minded. Remember Jesse Ventura, that wrestler? He'd been dropped on his head too many times. Right? Just hard. But then he, then he, 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 he reveals a group of people that are in many churches today. I've seen it over and over and over. You see, there was a, an area where the, the ground was rocky, but it looked like it was just soil on the top, but the soil was very thin, and underneath it was solid rock. And the seed penetrated in it, and it, and it sprouted, but it couldn't, it couldn't have no root system because of the rock. And when it sprouted up, the sun beat down upon it because it had no root system, it withered away. And he said, these are the people who receive it with joy. But when the difficult, because they have no root, because it's not legitimate, it's not real, because they have no root, when the troubles come and the difficulties come, they're gone. They walk away. I have seen that over and over and over. I've seen people at the altar. I've seen people at the altar just weep and get caught up in an emotional moment. Maybe there was a, a real emotional song sung from the pulpit and, and, and from the platform. And, 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 oh, they just got all up in their fields and they were feeling and they come and they make this profession and, oh, I'm all about it. But it's not genuine. It's not real. They got caught up in emotions. Now, if you're looking from the outside, it looks legit. We think that, oh, if they cry, it's real. How many of y'all know emotions change like the weather? I hope you're not basing your assurance of salvation on the emotion because you can't base it on emotion. Matter of fact, the Bible says when someone usually comes and gets saved, they're mourning because they have realized they're a sinner and they've offended a holy God and they're repenting of their sin. I remember so vividly, I was sitting in my living room, me and my wife, we had a lady from the church that she was just struggling and, and, and she knew she needed to be saved. And so she came over and we were sitting in the living room and I was praying with her and I said, listen, let's, let's trust Christ. You know what you need to do. You understand it. And let's ask God to forgive you. And, 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 and she prayed and asked God to forgive you. And, and she looked up and there was just such a serious look. And, and I looked and I said, do you feel better? Keep in mind, I was only like 22. And I'm, you know, I'm expecting, you know, most people to get saved. They show, she said, no. And I was like, whoa, maybe it didn't take. I, I'm telling you, I was just, it, it kind of took me off guard. She, she said, I got to go. I got to go. Took off. I'm like, I'd never had that happen before. The next day at church, she was grinning from ear to ear. She showed joy. Now, here's, here's my point. Don't, don't, think and don't think you can judge somebody's profession because of their emotion. There are people that come and, and they like Temple and, and Temple's an exciting place and, and Temple's great. Man, I want to be a part of that. And there's, there's joy and excitement with that. But just as soon 
If there has not been a real repentance and a broken, contrite heart and a repentance and a turning in faith to Christ just as soon as the trials come, you can't find them with the FBI. So, preacher, they just, they just had struggled. Well, let me, let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. And he said they never were of us. They were walking with us, and they were fellowshipping with us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Because their faith in Christ lacked genuine sorrow over sin, a sincere repentance, a heartfelt hunger for righteousness, a deep love for the Savior, it never truly took root. Inevitably, when the going gets tough, they abandon their superficial commitment to the Lord. You see the unresponsive here in the first one, the superficial here, in the second. Then we see the worldly here in the third. The worldly here. It says, these are they which are among thorns, which hear the word. You see, he gave the illustration of the seed that was dropped and there was thorns around it and they grew up and the seed tried to grow, but the thorns suffocated and choked out the seed. These are they which hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. They come to church. They know because of maybe their conscience they need to be there. Maybe they have a Habit because of growing up, their family went to church, and though you, you, Sunday's where you're supposed to go to church. And they're here, and they're going through the motions, and they're thinking they're getting credit in heaven. They're thinking that God's got this checklist up in heaven with their name, and okay, they made it this Sunday, we'll, we'll, we'll give that to their credit. But just as soon as ball season gets here, just as soon as their hobbies come a calling just as soon as other things out in this world become more important and a priority over God you can't find them say is there a Bible illustration oh yeah there was an old boy that came it's in your notes I'm going to paraphrase it because we're running out of time there's an old boy come to Jesus and said, what, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He said, well, what does the commandment say? He said, well, you know, honor your father and mother and do, do this and do that. And, and he says, and I've done them all. I've done all of them. He's feeling pretty good about himself. Is there anything else? Jesus said, yeah. And the reason Jesus said what he's fixing to say, because he knew what was in his heart. How many of y'all know God will target the area of sin in your life? What, what, what did Jesus do with the woman at the well? The conversation was going great. She wanted that water. I mean, we just went ahead and led her in the plan of salvation right there. She said she wanted that living water. But what did Jesus say? Go call your husband. Oh. 
She said, I don't have no husband. She said, he said, you right about that. You had five and you shack another one. Now you ain't even married to. What'd he do? He targeted the sin in her life. And Jesus knew what was in the heart of this young man. Yes, he was religious. Yes, he was keeping the rules. Yes, he was a good guy. But he said, I tell you what, go sell all your possessions and then come and follow me. And the Bible says he walked away sorrowfully because he had great possessions. Preacher, what are you saying? Wealth was more important than walking with Jesus. And there are people that will not. Listen, let's just be honest. Come on, stay with me. Stay with me. I know this is hard. The Bible says, unless a man hate his father, his mother, his sister, his brother, even his own life, hate word means to love less. Unless you love less your family, even your own life, unless a man forsakes all that he has, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. Listen, what's more important than Jesus in your life? What job, what activity, what sport, what hobby? You see, the people in this world are going to hell because they love this present world. Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me. Demas walked with Paul and served with Paul and ministered with Paul, but the world was calling his name. But then there's the last one. And he says, this is what happens when the seed falls on good soil. They receive it. Listen, they take it in. It becomes part of who they are. And fruit is produced. Preacher, what's the evidence of salvation? Is it, is it crying at the altar? Is it signing up for every ministry you can sign up for? No. What fruit is in your life? What fruit is in your life? Is there fruit of righteousness in your life? Is there fruit of the spirit in your life? Is there love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, patience? Is all of these things being manifested in your life? God gave several reasons, three specific reasons why they still stay in unbelief. But the main thing I want you to leave here with today don't wait till God shuts the door. I'm going to promise you this. If I was lost today, if I even thought I was lost today, there ain't no way in this world I'd leave that building lost. You do not know. My father, I'm going to give you this illustration. I got two minutes to do it. My father pastored New Testament. Everybody just go ahead and shut your stuff up and look at me so I know you got, got your undivided attention. You're just dying to fold that paper, I know. <laughs> I've seen some of y'all hold it down real quietly so I couldn't hear it. I, you know, <laughs> y'all are so funny. <laughs> All right, now everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. The Bible says, boast not thyself on the morrow. In other words, don't be bragging about what you're going to do tomorrow because you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. 
Life is like a vapor. It's here for a brief time. And it vanisheth away. My father was the pastor of New Testament Baptist Church in Okeechobee, Florida. If you've never heard of Okeechobee, if you'll look on a Florida map and you see that big blue circle at the bottom, that's Okeechobee Lake. If you'll look right at the top of the lake, that's Okeechobee, Florida. My father pastored New Testament Baptist Church in Okeechobee, Florida. There is a road that goes around the lake, and there is a bar that's on that road called the Fin and Feather Lounge. My mom and my dad was at a, at a young lady's house who had been attending church. She was visiting church, and dad was witnessing to her and sharing the gospel with her and pleading and begging with her to be saved. She said, no, preacher, he said, I want to be in church. I want to do it, I want to do it at church. I want to, I want to, I want to do it at the altar. I, I just, just wait till Sunday. I think this was on Friday night. And dad begged her, begged her, please just trust Christ tonight. Please give God your life tonight. No, preacher, I'll do, I promise, I'll do it, I'll do it Sunday morning. Saturday night. She went to that, she went to that bar, I, I guess, to have one last, one last go. Left that bar coming around the lake, and the car left the road, and she lost her life. She's most likely in hell tonight because she thought she would come to God on her terms. She thought that she had tomorrow, but God shut the door. Now, I can't help but think, I can't help but think, from that point on, that was back in, that was back in 78, 79, then since 1978, she's been in hell Remembering that living room opportunity. Don't wait till God shuts the door. 